Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. We have another special guest, and I just love to to have the honor and the privilege to introduce Wally Miller. She is a fellow financial coach who helps high-achieving millennials and Gen Zers. <laughs> Y'all know I have this trouble with these words, so um, I, I like that Gen Zers, I, generation, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not really 100% familiar with all the different breakdown. But anyways, she has become work optional by taking control of their finances without sacrificing their lattes and brunches. We all know how that generation loves to go to Starbucks and do all the things. Wally is a first-generation college graduate, daughter of an immigrant, and self-made millionaire who helps women balance spending, saving, and health building without depravation. Deparation. <laughs> We're going to say these words over and over again, and then my audience can just laugh with me because they know I am challenged by pronouncing words. So welcome so much. Thank you so much for being here, Wally. Thank you so I- much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. I think even though we have that financial background, we're undercover money nerds for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I like that description. Definitely. You know, and and there's so many people who need our help. I mean, millions and millions of people. And, you know, a a lot of times when uh, coaches in the same niche get together, they're always like, oh no, you're going to steal my audience. No, you're going to enhance my audience because I don't serve everyone who listens to my podcaster connects with me and I love giving referrals because not everyone's a good fit. You know, and a lot of times people really want a financial coach that's going to give them the exact steps. They're only going to give them certain things. I know when I hired a financial coach, I was looking for the mindset piece. I didn't need help with the budgeting and the assets and building my wealth. What I needed help is to why I kept racking up debt. Like, what was that all about? So how did you get started in the industry? Yeah, so I began, I will sort of take it back a little bit to what I thought I was doing with my money. And I thought I was pretty good with my money. So in my 20s, I got a pretty good, well-paying job right out of college. 
And so I was able to pay my bills, pay down my student loans, pay off my car note. And I really stayed out of credit card debt. I also was able to put a little bit of money aside in my savings account. So I thought I was all good. And I said, okay, so I'm sort of checking all the boxes. And what do I do with the rest of the money? I guess you just spend it, right? Like that is the whole point of working. And so I went through that cycle for quite a while. And it's really interesting because I know your background is with the Social Security Administration. And actually, that was sort of my light bulb moment. I know they don't do this any longer because you can uh, check all this information online. But back in the day, it was I was in my late 20s and I had received a letter from the Social Security Administration. And it was basically my 10-year work history with all of the income that I had made over the years. So it had my job from back when I worked the summer, when I was 15, all the way to present day. And I remember adding up all the money that I had made in my lifetime. So it was called a lifetime earnings report. And you can get this for free by creating an online account. Um, but back then, they would mail these out to people. And I don't remember exactly what was the trigger, but I think it was maybe after 10 years of work history. And I uh, received this lifetime earnings report from the Social Security Administration. I added up all my lifetime earnings. And I remember saying, how in the world did I make that much money? And my bank account does not reflect that. Mm-hmm. And that was my wake up call that something was missing. Um, because even though I was saving $25, $50 every paycheck, so I was, you know, saving consistently, um, I didn't know what I was saving for. I just knew you had to like save a portion. I didn't know what a portion meant, but I was saving money. I didn't have any credit card debt, but when I added up all the money that I had made in my lifetime, I realized that it wasn't reflective to like what I had, like it didn't feel balanced. And that was a little bit of a wake up call. Now I will say, I wish that I would have changed my financial life at that time, but it did make me pause. And so I began to increase a little bit how much I was saving, but it went sort of back to normal, right? So I also became a little bit of an impulsive shopper, mindless spender, Um, But again, I thought I was doing good because I stayed out of credit card debt. And to me, that was the definition of like being good with money. A lot of the financial advice back then was really get out of credit card debt. If you're in debt, you're bad and this and that. And I didn't have credit card debt. So I said, okay, I'm good. I I think all the uh, financial experts would give me an A+. (laughs) Yeah, so you can sort of see where that's going. So fast forward a couple of years. Um, I was in a career that I really enjoyed. I loved the work that I was doing. Um, but then there was a shift in management. So even though I love the work that I was doing, the work environment became a little toxic. And I remember feeling stuck. I just wanted to like get up and leave and say, screw you. I don't need this. And I realized because I had not been saving enough money that if I missed one, maybe actually two paychecks, if I missed two paychecks, I really was going to lose everything that I had worked so hard for. And I felt like I didn't have any options and I, and I was stuck in that environment. And that really was the sort of the changing moment. And I went into the world of the Googles, right? Into Google and tried to figure out what I had done wrong. And so that was sort of my evolution of 
uh, sort of realizing that there has to be more than just, you know, get out of credit card debt or stay out of credit card debt. There had to be more. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And I love that, you know, when you got your benefit estimate statement from Social Security, that they that you added all all the dollars to see, wow, this is how much money I've made in my lifetime. And this is how much money I have to, sh- to show for it. I tell my clients all the time, like, you know, you know, we, we talk about tracking our numbers, but no one likes to track the numbers because then what? I track the numbers and then I see what a failure I am. I see how I have nothing. But if you don't track the numbers, you don't know where money is and money loves to be crushed on. Money loves to be adored and, and you know, showered with gratitude and and just really doted on, right? And how do you do that? By paying attention to that those earnings. So what was the ultimate system that got you into saying, I need to help others do this as well? So how did you put it all together and find out, you know, after Google's fun, we can search all kinds of things. There's so many things, you know, Dave Ramsey's my favorite, followed him for years, came very close to becoming a Dave Ramsey financial coach, but decided to get certified elsewhere. And um, everyone has their own mix. I mean, there's so many different uh, books out there and videos and things. So how did you narrow it down? So it just so happened that right around this time where, you know, a month passed, two months passed, three months passed, and like the work environment wasn't changing, right? Like I said, there was a total shift in management, a supervisor who we all loved was gone and we had someone new. And so I just sort of saw that things, this was the new normal. It just so happened that I had um, a, I opened up the internet one day and there was like this clickbait article and the title was couple in their forties retires. And I read the article and sort of went down this rabbit hole of what was happening with this group called the FIRE movement, right? And FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retiring Early. And essentially, it was this couple who had um, saved, had increased their um, the amount of money that they were saving. Um, they ended up um, saving 60 or 70% of their income. And of course, I read the article with a lot of skepticism, right? I was like, okay, well, you know, they're married. So of course they could live off of one income. Like I'm a single person. Like, how is that going to be possible? It's it's mm-hmm. impossible. But as I read their story, it wasn't a story of, you know, both of them making six figures and you could live off of a one, you know, one of the six figure salaries, they were, um, uh, I think one of them earned 60,000. The other one was earning like 70,000. So they were a six figure household. But when I sort of read the things that they did, and they were very simple, sort of some simple strategies that they took, it wasn't an extreme. Now, I will say that some I don't consider myself frugal, some people will, right? Like I don't buy the $7 box of candy at the movie theater. I will go to the Dollar Tree <laughs> and bring it with me. So in some ways I am frugal, but I didn't want to do the penny pinching, right? I had worked so hard to get the career that I had that I wanted to enjoy my life. I didn't want the deprivation. And when I read some of the simple things that they were doing, it really sort of made me shift how I began spending. and. I'm sure you're you're part of this financial world for a long time that you may have heard of something called the no spend challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, this no spend challenge in simple terms is basically you take seven days or two weeks or 30 days and only spend money on the essential things, 
right? You don't spend money outside of anything that you don't plan for. So if you don't plan for it, you don't spend the money on. And I failed miserably every time I tried to do a no spend challenge. But what it made me realize was all of the sort of impulsive shopping that I was doing. It wasn't that I was spending, you know, $300 on a pair of jeans, you know, $600 on a handbag. No, that again, part of me was very frugal. I would never do that. But it was those $5 charges going to Target to buy laundry detergent and toilet paper and leaving with home decor pillows and candles, right? (laughs) So it was like all of those like little things. I remember even one day I thought I had done so good. And I was like, oh no, I remember I went to the vending machine and bought a candy bar and a soda, right? And of course, you know, spending those two or $3 isn't going to make or break you, but it made me realize all of the money that was sort of like slipping through my fingers. Mm -hmm. And when we add up those $5, $10, $20 charges on a daily, weekly basis, it opened my eyes to where my money was really going. And so it was at that moment in combination of like seeing that there was a different way of doing things and also the awareness of like the mindless spending and the mindless shopping that uh, sort of, I realized that there is a different way to do things. And one of the components that I was missing, because I I did say that I had, uh, I was saving money. And when I got the earnings report, I started saving a little bit more, but I was missing the wealth building component. Mm-hmm. And that term wealth, I didn't even resonate with. I, when I thought of the word wealth, I thought of like an old man with a white, with white hair and a velvet robe, smoking cigar. Like that was wealth to me. I wasn't an actor or a basketball star or a musician. So I wasn't making the millions. That also was how I defined wealth. But realizing that I was missing this tool in my toolbox, in my financial toolbox of building wealth. And that was when I realized, okay, I think this is where I need to sort of put some energy into and learn a little bit more about. I love that. You know, that mindless spending, so many out there, you know, our listeners and and whoever they'll share this podcast interview with don't realize how much mindless spending they do. And like you said, you walk into Target and you buy, you know, you're, you're intended to buy one things, you know, you might even have a list and then, oh, let me go check the clearance aisle and see what's on sale and this, you know, and here and there. And before you know it, you've spent so much more than what you had intended to. And then the bills come and we're like, oh, I don't have that in my account. Why don't I have that? Or that unexpected expense, you know, something that you didn't plan for that annual bill that you completely Mm -hmm. forgot to include in your expense worksheet. So really connecting with that piece and keeping track of it. As I was listening to you, I kind of got a a little flash of what some of my clients say to me is that's so much work tracking your expenses. Why do you want to do that? (laughs) What would be your response to that statement? Okay, so I think people might be a little surprised by this. Sorry, I live in New York City, so if you hear some uh, sirens going off there. Uh, But some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but I actually don't encourage people to track. Now, I'm going to say a little bit different and why I think this is so. One of the things that tracking does is that it shows us and it gives us data and information about where our money has gone. But it does very little to really 
change what happens in the future, right? Because that action has already taken place. And although I like to track, well, sometimes I do like to track or look over, I think it can feel very overwhelming to go through what all your transactions are for, you know, on your credit card and on your debit card, right? Because it does give you information, but really um, one of the analogies that I use is when we're driving in a car, the biggest piece of glass that's in the car is that front mirror, right? Or it's that front um, window. Mm-hmm. And because you really want to see what's going to happen up, a, it, up in front of you, right? What's coming in front of you. Of course, we have those side mirrors to sort of see what's next to us. But our rear view mirror is very, very small. And it's important to be there, right? So you know what's already happened and like that it's it's there for a reason but the reason it's so small is because once it's already passed once you've already once it's already done there's not a whole lot that you can do to change what's already happened so when i talk to my clients rather than going backwards and sort of focusing on the tracking and making a list of all the transactions and sort of i think it can feel very overwhelming and some people will feel guilt or shame when they look at that history I really have my clients focus on what's up ahead. And so starting from when they work with me, what we do is create a plan. So we create a spending plan for how they want to spend the next set of, you know, the next paycheck, the next income that they have, right? And again, tracking will give you data. It will give you information to see some patterns. But I think a lot of people will feel a little overwhelmed by trying to categorize things or just the feelings that may come up with tracking. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not if some of my clients actually track and they enjoy it, but for some people, I think a lot of people, it can feel overwhelming. So rather than looking behind, I'm like, okay, from this day forward, let's focus on how you want to spend your money just for the next seven days. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's look at how how you want to spend the money for the next 14 days until the next paycheck and the next 30 days and the next 60 days. Right. And I think that that gives a lot of my clients a a more feeling of like control. Right. They feel like, okay, rather than sort of focusing on all the things that's happened, it gives them a fresh start. Now, I'm from a different generation. I'm a millennial myself. And as you mentioned, a lot of my clients are millennials and Gen Zers. So they usually don't have a lot of like discretionary income anyways. Mm -hmm. So where they're spending their money is, you know, it might be those Starbucks lattes. It might be those brunches, but it brings them joy. And my job, and I tell my clients, I really don't care how you spend your money. What I'm listening for in a coaching session is listening for what is, how do you want to design the life you want to live? What is it that you value? And I'm going to hold you to that. Right. And as you create your spending plan, I'm going to be reminding you of what you said you valued most. And that's where uh, how, how I might be a little bit different than some coaches, where it's really about rather than tracking every penny, it's more about, okay, let's create a plan that aligns with what you value and then focus on making sure that, again, the next few days, the next few weeks, um, how the money is coming in, how the money is going out is exactly the way uh, matches with the way you want to de- design your life and the experiences you want to have. I love that. And that's, that's a great way to approach it. 
because it's not restrictive. You know, it, it doesn't feel like it's suffocating and there's there's hope and enjoying experiences is so important. And it, you had talked about, you had mentioned wealth, you know, building for wealth. Do you find like a lot of your clients want to set up their future? They want to retire early. I know a lot of them want to be um, entrepreneurs <laughs> and they want to make as much money as possible. Um, what what do you find to be this focus as far as their future goes, as far as retiring and becoming a self-made millionaire? Yeah. So some of my clients are, um, you know, again, millennials get a lot of bad rap because people have labeled us as lazy. I think that our generation really is, has just sort of seen that the way our parents and grandparents were able to do retirement with like that pension just doesn't exist for us. So staying at a job or at a company for the next 20 to 30 years, because you know that at the end of that, you're going to be taken care of just as an exists for us. And so one of the things that um, I do work with some entrepreneurs, I will say that the majority of my clients are professional women. They usually enjoy their careers. They even enjoy their jobs. They just can't imagine doing it for the next 20 years, right? And so I like to use the, the term work optional. Um, I think if you are a, uh, you know, driven person, um, the idea of just sitting on a beach and not doing anything for the rest of your life does not sound all of that, all that appealing, but it's about leveraging the income that you do make right now. So whether that is coming from a nine to five job, whether that is coming from entrepreneurship, that you're leveraging that income in order to build that runway for yourself and to buy your freedom. And so when I talk to my clients, a lot of people will say like, I don't know if, you know, I think I probably will have to work until I'm 65. And I let them believe that for a little bit, right? Because I think they need to build their belief in themselves and what is possible. But then once we start really getting focused on spending money on the things that they enjoy, and then widening the gap between the income that comes in and the expense, you know, the money that goes out, And once they have a bigger gap, we can decide and they decide how they want to use that money in order to begin buying their freedom and to being work optional, right? And so I have some clients who are like, I want to be work optional in 10 years. And it's only about giving them the the option to decide if they work, if they want to go part-time, if they want to do a different type of work that maybe has lower pay, that is a lower paying, but they can now accept that type of position to work in a in a for a cause that they're passionate about because they don't have to think about income. Um, that is sort of that's the 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 type of her, the type of person that really comes to work with me, right? It's about mm-hmm. saying, I don't know exactly what I want to be doing in 10, 15, 20 years, but I definitely don't want to have to be working. I want to be work optional or I want to be able to retire early. I don't want to have to wait till 65. Can we can we work? that so 55 or 50 right yeah or even 45 and yeah. so being able to help them decide what wealth means to them right mm-hmm. and sometimes it starts with the numbers but it's really about what do you want your life to look like if you had to design a week a month what do you want to feel during that month what do you want to experience how would you want to be spending your time with whom what would you like to be doing yeah. and 
um, I think sometimes, um, you know, as kids, we want to be any, you know, at the beginning, it's like, we want to be president, we want to be astronauts, we want to be, you know, do all of these different things without any limits to our dreams. And somewhere along the line, we like forget to dream. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, Yes, I'm a financial coach, but I'm like a, a dream catcher, right? Like, let's, <laughs> let's get those dreams back and like, let me help you dream again so that we can figure out a way for you to achieve really what it is um, that you would like to do with this lifetime. Yeah. And a lot of people listening to this might say, yeah, that might work for you. And, and it sounds like a great plan, but I have so much debt and I have no income coming in. And you had mentioned that you'd paid off your debt. You didn't really have credit card debt, but you'd mentioned student loan debt and things like that. So what's the strategic plan to help with paying off debt? You know, um, building wealth is really simple, right? When we're talking about building wealth, you can either decrease your expenses, increase your income, right? There's really two different things. And one of the questions that I get a lot, particularly for millennials and Gen Zers is, well, should I be paying off my student loan debt? Should I focus on my student loan debt or should I be investing? Should I be saving? Like, can I do both? What should I, what should I choose? Right. And so of course there's a mathematical answer to that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can show you what would happen if you chose a B or C. but there's a whole different option out there. And it's the one that's going to make you sleep better at night right? And sometimes they're conflicting, right? The decision that's going to help you sleep better at night might be in total conflict with the math. And neither one of those decisions is wrong. Mm -hmm. Whether you choose that sort of emotional component or you choose the mathematically strategic optimized way. But one of the things that happens is that most of us don't think of either one. We just think of one way, and we don't really know what the option is. So I like being able to work with my clients and helping them see, well, if you chose this path, this is what that's going to look like. And if you chose this path, this is what it's going to look like. And one of the things that that does is that when they make that decision is that in the future, it minimizes that level of regret, right? Because they made a decision at that time that fit best with what aligned with what they wanted to do. I just had a, a client call yesterday and we went, she had um, sort of, sort of that same cycle that we were talking about, right? She had paid off credit card debt and now she has credit card debt again. Mm -hmm. And we went through like, how much would you say out of that credit card debt? Like, let's break it into categories. And one of the categories that she had was that she spent some money on her daughter who was graduating from high school and prom and she did really good. She had been on an honor roll for her whole four years and she bought her expensive tickets. So, you know, all of those expenses added up. And when in the beginning, when we talked about the credit card debt, she felt guilt and shame and anxiety over this credit card debt. Mm -hmm. But when we went, broke down where the bulk of that money had gone, I said, how do you feel about giving your daughter those experiences? She's like, I feel like the best mom in the world. Mm -hmm. And I helped her to see that, yes, we don't want to be paying interest to credit cards. We're going to create a plan to pay this off as soon as possible. But remembering and holding on to the idea that at the time you made the best decision for you in order to provide your daughter this experience definitely changes the mood when we look at that credit card balance. Right. And so I think there's that, again, that emotional components and 
you know, it's not about justifying. Like I, as an impulsive shopper, I could definitely justify every expense that I had made, but it's about also making sure that when we're thinking about our debt at the time that we took out the debt, what was it that we were chasing after? right? Was it out of convenience? I had another mom who had $30,000 on a credit card and it was because she used that money. Uh, It was a medical bill, Mm. right? And it's like, what other options did you have at that moment? Oh, there's so many options. (laughs) We don't have time to get into it, but as an independent insurance broker, I'm telling you, (laughs) there's so many different options. I I agree with that. But at the moment she made the decision that she thought was best. Right. And it doesn't mean that we're going to do that again. It doesn't mean that we just live with it and everything is fine, but you do want to make sure that when you're looking at the numbers Mm -hmm. that you really understand what it is that it's saying. Right. So, um, there's people who are earning multiple six figures who are, you know, feeling like they don't make enough. And then there's people who are making $50,000 who are saving 20% of their income. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's about really making sure you understand what the numbers are reflecting um, and, and what do they reflect, right? Whether right. it is debt, whether it is income, whether it is expenses. Yeah. My favorite thing to say is it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. It's not about the numbers, it's about the management of it. And if you think about money as a person and you, what kind of relationship do you have with money? How are you treating money? And when you pay attention to it, when you date money weekly and you, you know, look at that financial portfolio, that picture of what you're, what you want your life to look like, that's what gets you towards that self-made millionaire. And And it's about taking your monthly, taking your income, however it comes in, commissions, paycheck, whatever, and treating it with love and care and allocating it, you know, and and giving every dollar a job as Dave Ramsey says, and making sure that what you say you want to do is completely aligned with what you want to do. So aligning those thoughts with those actions. So I absolutely love, love what you're doing and how you're, you know, just Working with this generation, this, you know, I listened to a podcast that said in the next 10 years, 76% of the women are going to be responsible for transferring their wealth to the, you know, the generation after them. And of those 76%, only 2% or I forget the numbers exactly. Um, know how to manage their money. So what are they actually passing on? So it's so important what you're doing. Um, Share your elevator pitch with us. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I really appreciate this conversation. Obviously, we are both passionate about finances and really just helping people um, do more, right? Um, help them to see the the sort of the power that they have, um, regardless of what the income is. So um, if you want to get in contact with me, my name is Wally Miller, and you can find me. I'm mainly... Um, active on social media, on Instagram, financially thriving. Um, But uh, I, again, work mainly with millennials and Gen Zers who really want to um, do something different, um, who really want to begin to buy their freedom and work towards being work optional. A lot of my clients are first-generation college graduates and they want to be first-gen millionaires. So, uh, yeah. Love that. And before we part, is there any words of advice you'd like to give to our audience? 
I think one, I'm going to actually repeat something that you said that it's not about the amount of money that you make. It's about how you're managing the money. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of great, great information on podcasts, on blogs, on websites, on YouTube. Um, So there is a lot of financial education and financial literacy out there. I think one of the things that people struggle with the most is how do we apply that information that we're learning? How do we implement what is out there to our specific lives? And I think that's where working with, you know, a a financial expert with working with a financial coach can really be helpful. Um, We were talking, I think right before where it's, you know, one of my clients, she was an accountant. It wasn't about the numbers. Like she Mm -hmm. knew what needed to be done, but it was really about how do I do it? (laughs) You know, (laughs) how do I know I'm supposed to be like, uh, you know, saving money. I'm supposed to be building wealth and investing and I'm supposed to be spending less than I make, but I don't know why it's uh, difficult for me. And I think sort of helping our clients um, uncover their relationship with money um, and why we sort of do the things we do with money is just, um, I like, I love seeing that light bulb moment for them when they finally see some of the habits that they have and why, so that they can start replacing new, uh, replacing those old habits with new ones. Yeah. It's amazing to watch our clients transform and realize it. And it doesn't matter if you're a seven figure earner or an accountant or even a financial coach. Some financial coaches need help um, because they don't, they've never done the mindset work behind it. They don't understand the connection. And when you can really get to that core, our childhood is filled with idioms and conditioning statements that you know, determine what we're going to do. And we're like, why did I do that? And if we can go back far enough, we can figure it out. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your expertise. Um, Anyone listening to the show, check the show notes for links to get in connection with Wally. If you know anyone um, who would benefit from her services, please share this podcast and give us some love, rate the show. Right now there is a contest going on through May 31st where you will be entered into a drawing to win a wealth activation session, 90-minute session with me. Draw, uh, winner will be announced on June 1st. So be sure to get out there and share rate. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.